Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. White, couple the jab steps, comes up shooting top three, bam! Put him in the Hall of Fame! Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. What more, what more y'all want me to prove, man? Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Joining me now, Matt Peck. Locked on Bulls podcast. Producing podcasts left and right, even in the offseason. On Twitter, at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. I don't have Twitter. I don't do anything like that. And I love what you guys do with the show. I listen to every episode. You guys are one of the best podcasts, period. Y'all keep going with I love you guys. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. It's 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 raw. You can just see the vibe. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. Okay, cool. I was hoping it wasn't one of those knucklehead programs. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us at 331-979-1369. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Happy Monday to you, Matt. Welcome back to uh, Locked on Bulls. Thanks for everybody out there listening to us as well. Man, the Bulls came came away 0-2 in this finale, or these two finales, I should say, in LA on their four-game West Coast road trip. But man, I was very, very, very encouraged by what I saw in these four games. We'll get into all of that, uh, but we've got a little bit of breaking news in this first segment. Uh, but first and foremost, man, how was your weekend? How you doing? What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? Had a nice weekend. Um, enjoyed watching some some wild card action. Um, didn't make any bets. I'm probably I'm probably assuming you did, but uh, you know, uh, looking forward to uh, the culmination of the NFL season. Kudos to them for getting this far, because as you alluded to just now, there's some breaking news around the NBA as we're recording here late Monday morning, and uh, part of that includes the Bulls Celtics game scheduled for Tuesday night, officially being postponed, along with the Pelicans Mavericks game, because the Mavericks, along with the Celtics are two teams that do not have enough players available to field a roster right now due to the league's health and safety protocols. And uh, things are things are getting kind of dicey with this NBA season. No doubt, man. I mean, with the Bulls and the Celtics now being postponed on Tuesday, we, uh, you know, I, I heard this, uh, I saw this come across my timeline this morning, man, and I grabbed it right away because I wasn't sure how long or how long it would be still up on Twitter, but one of the former NBA players for a long, long time, Andrew Bogut, a former NBA champion, too, not former NBA champion, but NBA champion, uh, he has a podcast, and he was talking over the weekend about some of the protocols that the NBA were, was going through, and man, I, I played it for you right before we jo- jumped on. I want our listeners to hear this because this is directly impacts why the Bulls game was 
was canceled on or postponed on Tuesday. Take a listen to Andrew Bogut talking about what he's heard from NBA players and people around the league just from this weekend. How I thought it was a little bit smoke and mirrors, the social distancing on the bench, the masks and whatever. But anyway, we've got to a point where half of Philly's team has been depleted by COVID. It's reared its ugly head within the league again. I think Tatum just got announced that he's got it. Now they're looking at close contacts of, of his, which I assume would be anyone he played against. But I had someone reach out to me um, who shall remain anonymous. I have found out that NBA teams traveling on the road, going into hotel rooms, it's strict lockdown. They have locked down floors and whatnot, and they're trying to isolate guys. They can actually have, pro two guests come to their room per road trip that are friends, quote unquote. Get the f*** out of here. How do you think that's going down? Not very well. Yeah. They got two. They can invite two friends. They got to get tested, though, right? No. So here we go. Get so, the f- yeah. So here we go. I've got I've go got, the, got the official internal memo: health and safety protocols, travel and accommodations. It's labeled dot point K number two. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll I'll read the last sentence. Party may be visited in the individual hotel rooms by up to two guests, e.g. family members or longtime close personal friends who reside in the city where the team is playing. Now, so I, I got that information. So I reached out to a few people to find out exactly if that's true. It's been confirmed. It is true. It has also been confirmed. My next question was yours. Are they, you know, how are you, how are you testing those people? Are they, do they have to be in a bubble beforehand? Nope. They just come straight in. Now we know NBA players like to, to have some fun off the court. And I can guarantee you that uh, the friends extend to certain people sending DMs to them on Instagram and whatnot, which is, it is what it is. But that goes to my point, Pro, that I made a couple of weeks ago. I think a lot of this is smoke and mirrors. I mean, man, I mean, he read the he read the protocol from the NBA that they sent out in a memo. Then he even followed up with some people, too. And his point isn't wrong, Matt, about the NBA and guys. Of course, guys are going to get DMs left and right. We had this. People were making fun of people in the summer because of the COVID protocols in the bubble and potentially exposing that. But, man, like I was very, very shocked to hear that, that not only that they're allowed two guests in their hotel on the road, but that these guests aren't required to be tested like. I don't know how the NBA thought this was going to go. And I know they're trying to be a little bit lax with players and not make it like the bubble because it was so difficult on guys, especially teams that stayed there for so long. But man, I was blown away to hear that and to hear a former player say that too. And he's not all that surprised either. What did you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I I guess it's something that we should have anticipated being a possibility. Um I do I do still feel slightly surprised in that we heard out of the gate that the, the league had issued to all of its players this insanely long and thorough list of health and safety guidelines and, and regulations about uh, what to do, especially when you are on road trips traveling around this year instead of being in the bubble. Because if you remember, there were like different tiers and levels of in the bubble uh, when they were playing down at Walt Disney World this past summer, and that when they got to a point when certain teams that made it to a certain point were allowed to bring in close friends and family, once those people arrived, they had to like quarantine in an outside layer of the bubble once arriving in the bubble before they could get into the actual bubble and like all these crazy levels. Clearly, that ain't happening this year. These teams are traveling. Yes, you know, they they, they fly for the most part, private. So that eliminates some of the, you know, some of the travel exposure. 
But you know, th- that was a, a risk that Donovan talked about as far as maybe having Lowry and some of these other players join them on their road trip. Because if that were to happen, those players would have flown, uh, you know, like public. And and there are certainly uh, layers of uh, r- risk to that. This stuff that, that Bogut was saying, though, about uh, for all of the rules and regulations about what these players are and are not allowed to do on the road, including like a certain list of restaurants that they're allowed to eat from or, or order from places they aren't allowed to go on the road that they, that they could just have two guests show up at their hotel room when they're on the road and that these two guests are not in any way vetted or tested before joining these players in their hotel rooms on the road. Like that's, that's baffling because it just seems like a giant back door where you're asking COVID to get into the league's rotation. It blows my mind, and especially all the the criticism that some of these guys got in the bubble. I think it just... I get the NBA's in an impossible situation, and I get players are trying to be as... It's trying to be as normalized as possible with this season, and the expectations are super, super high, and they're super strict, too, but... I can understand it, but the the amount of praise the NBA got after what they did with the bubble, I think was deserved. But I think there is some room for criticism for this, too. And the, the fact that we're just finding like, I don't know, maybe that's an oversight on my part and media's part and all of us uh, just from the, the craziness that was the offseason. We kind of overlooked this. But if that was part of the rule, man, I don't know what the NBA was expecting other than this to eventually happen sometime throughout this season. And I mean, we're not even we're what, 10, 12 games into the season so far and there's no plans right now for them to they're not talking about a potential shutdown for the league in the next couple of weeks or at least a stoppage for for the short term but i mean it's crazy i mean philly what 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 did they play with seven guys on saturday just so they didn't have to forfeit i mean i get you got to get the games in because of the local markets and the tv contracts you got in but that is crazy man it is and you know i i think we started off with a really difficult position um, for all of the power that the players union uh, or the players association has these days compared to back in the day. And it's good that they do. They still essentially got strong armed by ownership and the league itself when they were debating whether or not to have a season, how many games should be in that season, when they should start the season and the league got what it wanted, which was a tip off before Christmas and a 72 game season. So I, I I have a great deal of sympathy for these players who are being asked to still follow all of these strict rules and regulations. These players are getting tested twice on game days. They're getting tested regularly. And I'm sure that there is a lot of this that feels restrictive and not fun for the players who just kind of have to grin and bear it to get through this season to make sure that the league just does not suffer catastrophic losses of revenue. That being said, we have heard that the league is going to have a conference call among uh, governors, among GMs today to talk about potential updates to the health and safety protocols and guidelines. So it'll be interesting to see if there are any new stricter rules put in place about what these players are allowed to do and who these players are allowed to see when they're on these road trips. Um, And then we'll see what else there, there might be as far as how the league plans to deal with this stuff moving forward, there is the fact that they only released the first half of the season schedule and they were banking on having to deal with some of these postponements. 
so that there is enough room to work in makeup games and we'll see how they deal with that. But I, what, what were their other options? Could they have done things more successfully knowing that the bubble was not going to happen a second time? Clearly you were going to deal with other variables and they are struggling with it right now. I think you're right. I mean, they're not above reproach on this because they decided to ram this season through and they knew that they would come up with stuff like this. No doubt we'll have to see what uh, everybody else has to say too. see what Adam Silver has to say as the week sort of develops too, because like we said, the Tuesday game from Boston and Chicago is already postponed tonight's Pelicans and Mavericks game is already postponed as well. Um, So I'm sure Adam Silver will come out sometime this week if things progressively get worse uh, to have some type of plan or or adjustments or just kind of address kind of what's going on uh, over the last couple of weeks. But um, yeah, we've got a lot of Bulls stuff to get into, man. Yeah, before we get to the Bulls weekend against the Lakers and Clippers, Jordan wanted to tell our listeners about Built Bar. Today's episode brought to you in part by our friends at Built Bar with those great, delicious protein bars that taste like a candy bar. The new and improved Built Bar is even deliciouser than ever. Try some of their six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cherry barcia, and lemon almond cheesecake. Plus, you got some of those original flavors like banana bread, peanut butter, German chocolate, salted caramel, toffee almond, and peanut butter brownie. The Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, and they're easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious sports fans out there. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in these delicious treats. Maybe you're still trying to drop a couple LBs after all those holiday meals you had. The Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. They're great for the keto diet if that's your thing. Take, for example, the peanut butter bar. 19 whole grams of protein and only 180 calories. Just 180 calories. Only 5 grams of sugar and just 5 grams net carbs. Right now, our Locked On Bulls listeners can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Dot com. All right, Jordan, let's start with the Bulls' uh, first weekend matchup. A, man, tooth and nail fight against the LeBron James-led Lakers. I, I know, I think you and I were talking about this as we were kind of previewing the weekend schedule on our Friday episode last week, and I was talking to you about how much I wanted this win uh, because I wanted revenge for that ridiculous loss to the Lakers last season. Thanks to, you know, captain, captain Dumbo and his, you know, we're going to have a bench here in Chicago. I got 15 guys to develop bullshit and we got so close, Jordan. We got so close, man. I mean, I don't know who to credit first. Is it Patrick Williams taking on the task of beating LeBron or, you know, defensively, trying to beat up LeBron for 48 minutes or is it his tall task of having to go up against Kawhi Leonard man there is so many positives from both of these games even the Bulls even though the Bulls ended up 0-2 uh you know it's about you know the next step is closing games but the fact that the Bulls are actually hanging around entertaining and leading some of these games against these teams man and and both teams Almost fully healthy, too. I know AD didn't play on Friday and it was just LeBron, but the fact that you were that close to winning a game with LeBron in speaks volumes to not only the development of this team from last year, but just the development over the last couple of weeks from game one, Matt. I've been super, super encouraged by this team. 
it is truly encouraging. Um, I know that you know people were talking after both of these losses to each LA team. There, there aren't. There's no such thing as moral victories in the NBA, and to uh, to a certain extent, yes, that is accurate. But even without Anthony Davis playing that evenly against a LeBron James led defending champion Lakers team, you have to give them credit for that. Um, you know, we were talking about this potentially being an 0 and 4 road trip and one that involved blowout losses. We were preparing ourselves for that mentally. And I mean, to to some of our listeners' credit, they were they were getting a little uh a little impatient with you and me after the the previous stint of games prior to this road trip because you and I were both just so just kind of sick and tired of the of watching the Bulls get blown out and watching bad Bulls basketball. And even in the span of a couple of weeks from those games to these games, you are seeing noticeable improvements. You're seeing better play from these guys as individuals. You're seeing more cohesion on the court. The veterans are giving big, important minutes off the bench. The young guys are developing before our eyes. And it and it results in competitive basketball against a defending champion caliber team. That is something to be encouraged about. I got to ask you about Zach Levine, man. Dude. He he showed out on this West Coast road trip, and I don't know if this was a tryout either. As for him, you know, personally, him just saying, "Hey, here's a here, here's three out of the four teams we're about to play are contenders in the West. Uh, let me show them what I can do." And I think again, this Zach Levine, instead of talking, it, he he's put his actions out there and wanted those to be louder than his actual words everybody criticized him early on especially this offseason man of being this one-way player empty score we got you and i got angry about people talking about that and instead of him coming out and combating those with his words he's done it with his actions man i was looking i was looking just at the last week bradley beal had an insane week Giannis had an insane week and so did Tatum I mean Bradley Beal averaged 42 points this week but Zach was 33.3 points per game during this road trip he shot 53.3 percent from the field he on 11 three-point attempts per game Matt Zach is shooting 45.5 percent from three the dude is doing everything the dude is doing everything and it's it's a little early to say this, but I start to feel the evolution of Zach Levine getting to that next level that he so many of us have talked about for the last couple of years. And Garrett Temple even reiterated that in the first week of actual regular season games It's like, Zach, if he wants to be that superstar in this league, he's got to grind it out. He's got to come with that fight every single night. And since that point, Zach has done nothing but that. So what do you think about this? Is this more Levine trying to show people hey, let me try out? for some of these contenders because I know I'm getting moved or is it just I'm going out going to ball out and let everybody else talk about me I, I think it's honestly just Zach Levine doing what he's always told the Chicago media and Chicago fans that's try to be a winner try to be a winning basketball player leading a team and I think that that is something that you know Bulls Bulls fans are so divided on this subject and between the, the Lakers game and the Clippers game, you had a monster night from Zach Levine that ended with a Bulls loss and in each game a Zach Levine miss late in that game. And, you know, you got our guy Cowley from the Sun-Times going on, you know, a Twitter rampage about how Zach is not the winner 
and he's he's shooting this poor percentage in these you know crunch time shots. That's something you and I have talked about at length on this podcast over the years. And you could acknowledge both things, but I think you can't only acknowledge. Well, Zach's not a winning player because look at that difficult, you know, uh, out of rhythm mid range pull up he took against the Lakers late in that game, or look at that ridiculous contested three he took late in that game against the Clippers, and the Bulls lost those games. Therefore, Zach is not a winning player. And it's like, dude, yeah, he took those shots because he earned those shots because he scored 38 and 45 points in those games. As you highlighted, he was shooting damn near 50% from behind the three-point line on that road trip. I just, it's so infuriating to me that some of these Zach haters out there are like, well, he's not, he, he doesn't affect winning. It's like, how do you think the Bulls were in these games against two of the best teams of the Western Conference instead of getting their arses handed to them? Do you think maybe it's because Zach Levine had 38 and 45? I, it's just baffling to me. No doubt, man. And like, if anybody else takes that shot, we're all saying, what the f- are you doing? What are you doing? Why isn't Zach Levine taking those shots? I don't care if Zach, I do care, but I don't care to the extent is if Zach's taking the shot at the end of the game, that's who exactly who I want to take the shot. I want anybody else taking the shot right now. And I'm looking at Zach Levine's clutch time stats right now. The Bulls have played in seven clutch time games. And again, clutch meaning you're either ahead or behind by five points or less in the last five minutes of a game. So Zach Levine has played a total of 29 minutes. He scored 31 points in that time, but he's 9 for 25 in clutch time this year, 36% from the field. He's 2 for 11 from 3, 18% from 3 in clutch time. So it hasn't been great like you were talking about, but even on the air ball against the Clippers, man, off that pick, I thought it was a good shot and it was a good attempt and it was good defense by Morris at the end. Zach, it was lined up perfectly. It was just just not enough, man. Just a little bit more and that shot was going through. So I thought it was a good attempt. I don't know about you, though. Like, is that something that you're going to look as an as an ultimate? Keep Zach long term. Don't keep Zach long term. Is that like something that's going to make you flip on whether or not Zach should be here long term? I don't think it changes how I have felt about Zach over the last couple of years, which is that I immensely respect his talents. And even more so than that, I respect the level of commitment that he has put towards being the face of this franchise and trying to help them get wins and doing it as a good soldier in a ridiculous regime under Jim Boylan and putting up with all of that and handling that as graciously as he possibly could when he didn't even deserve to give Jim Boylan that level of respect. And I can also, while thinking all of those things, also acknowledge that Zach Levine is probably at this point not quite a good enough player to be the best player on a championship contending team. And as a Bulls supporter, that's what I want. I want this team competing for championships. And that doesn't mean I don't think Zach can be a good piece to have. We've talked about how valuable he is compared to his contract right now. And yes, that makes him a viable trade candidate and an enticing one for those teams across the league looking to add that exact right extra piece um, to an already competitive roster. It also makes me believe that Zach Levine could be somebody that could stay here long term and find his role as a supportive guy, a number two guy on a championship contending team. But whatever happens with Zach Levine and the Bulls, 
I am putting my trust in the new front office to figure that out. But in the meantime, I have nothing but respect for what Zach is doing on a nightly basis, which is leading the Bulls to competitive nights against the Lakers and the Clippers for crying out loud. Come on, people. Totally, man. Uh, I want to get into a couple of other things just from this West Coast road trip as a whole and uh, maybe a few more things from the Lakers and the Clippers game as well. Uh, but first, I want to tell our listeners about our friends at betonline.ag. We just got through a wild card weekend. And if you're a Bears fan, it was not it was not fun. It was not fun at all. If you were a better oh, life, I thoroughly enjoyed watching them <laughs> getting their asses handed to them as expected. Did you? Uh, I'm sure a lot of people out there enjoyed the Nickelodeon game. Seems like that was overwhelmingly positive response as well. Um, Dude, it was the only thing that made that game watchable. 100. percent 100. percent The NFL weekend was not great to me betting wise. At least on Sunday it wasn't. Saturday had some disappointments, but uh, I took advantage of a lot of anytime touchdowns, and those are what is available on betonline.ag. So I'm a big player prop fan. BetOnline.ag has a ton of player props available for NFL, NBA games. Once baseball starts back up again, they will have that as well. So if you want to bet on the rest of the NFL playoffs, you want to bet on the NBA season, you want to bet on the Bulls, BetOnline.ag is the only place to do that. Sign up for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. So you deposit $100, they're going to give you $50 for free. You deposit $500, they're going to give you $250 for free. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. Get in the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportbook experts. Man, I've said this last week to you, Matt, and I hate to say it again, but uh, I already saw the conversation happening on Twitter. Why, why, why do we feel the need to think that just because Lowry was has been out for the last handful of games and the Bulls have looked much improved or at much much more developed as a team this week than they did the last couple of weeks? Like my positive outlook on this is that only adding Lowry to this lineup will only benefit the Bulls. It will only work in the Bulls' advantage. But I see a lot of conversations out there now is saying, hey, this Bulls team looks a lot better without Lowry in the lineup. And I just, I don't know, I can't get to that point that Lowry is a negative contributor to this team overall. No. No. I I I'm, I acknowledge that I have also seen those takes going around recently during his absence, but I am with you in that I completely disagree with them. Lowry was looking like one of the most confident and aggressive players on this team before being, you know, put in the quarantine closet um, because of contact tracing. He was attacking the basket. He was getting to the free throw line. He was, you know, finishing and once he was finally for once establishing post position, recognizing mismatches. He was moving off the ball. And yes, he was confidently knocking down some threes. Everything that we liked about Lowry's game as soon as he entered the NBA. There, there are some people saying, well, what about the growing confidence and productivity of Wendell Carter Jr.? And how does that maybe be affected by the uh, re-arrival of Lowry Markkinen into that starting lineup? And does that change anything? And to those people who are worried about that, I would say not necessarily because while it's good that we want to see Wendell take some of these steps he's taken and he had some quality games on that road trip, including a 23-point night, including a really strong night on the glass, the Lowry that has looked most aggressive uh, and most useful and most productive 
was not the Lowry that was part of the starting lineup that involved Wendell Carter Jr. The Lowry we saw really getting into a rhythm and humming was the Lowry that was the focal point of a different lineup where he was the one playing the minutes at the five and he had a bunch of wings around him and getting him looks and making him the offensive focal point of that part of the rotation. And that happened while Wendell Carter Jr. was not on the floor. So I'm not worried about that. And I cannot wait to see Lowry back out there and see if he can keep that momentum going from before he took a, took a seat because of these uh, these restrictions. I, I mean, I, I get that Lowry has got a lot of part of the, uh, a lot of people in the fan base concerned. And there are a lot of people who say, just trade him. Look, look, we're, we're, we're playing this well without him. Just trade him, get what you can for him, move on. I'm sorry, but I still want to give this new front office a, a year to evaluate Lowry and then come to a decision. Totally. I'm with you, man, 100%. I think there's a world in which we can live that Lowry comes back and only contributes positive things to this team. And Lowry's still got a lot of learning to do as well. I mean, we're seeing te- we're seeing this team be more competent, and I'm not. we shouldn't be surprised at all is because Thaddeus Young and Garrett Temple are getting more run than they, I guess, initially were in the first handful of games. And a lot of that, I think, contributes to not only to Lowry being out, but also Otto Porter Jr. dealing with back spasms too. This is something that we didn't touch on yet. I wanted to touch on it real quick before we get out of here. Uh, any concerns at all with Otto Porter's back spasms, man? I, this is the one thing that I feared about uh, allowing him to play a little bit too much or maybe pressing for him to play a little bit too long as he's coming back and recovering from an injury and uh, just hasn't had the same run that guys have had. Although you think about it and the Bulls haven't played in 10 months leading up to this season. But still, are you worried or concerned about Otto Porter is the these nagging back spasms that might affect him going forward over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, of course I'm concerned. Um, we know just how many different layers of injury history Otto has, even though he's still only like 27, 28. But between his tenure with the Wizards and then his arrival with the Bulls, he's had a lot of injuries that he's dealt with. And I think I knew coming into this season that we were going to see a different Otto Porter Jr., we were going to see a motivated Otto Porter Jr. We were going to see a, an Otto who was happy to be rid of Jim Boylan and a, a, an Otto who was aware of the fact that he was in the final year of a bloated contract and that he had to prove himself to get another lucrative contract, whether it be with the Bulls or elsewhere. So it's a it's very much a prove-it year for Otto, and I believed in, if healthy, the talent and motivation combined would be an auto that Bulls fans had never seen before. And guess what? We were starting to see that at the initial steps of the season. And Bulls fans are like, wow, like, wh- where's this auto been? And it's, it's, it's the auto that I knew was in there. If you paid attention, if you watched auto earlier in his career before arriving with Chicago, you knew just how good he could be. And I was sitting here on this podcast telling you, Jordan, if healthy, Otto is the second best player on this team behind Zach. No questions asked. He is the second best player on this team, so freaking play him. If you want to win, if you want to be competitive, play that guy. And gee, guess what? That's what Donovan was doing. <laughs> You're right. Whether man. on the bench or in the starting lineup, once Lowry went out, he has been so productive and efficient and effective for this team. And 
back spasms, that's real dicey. We've seen what back injuries and back issues can do to NBA players and their careers. So my hope is that this is only a temporary setback and we get Otto back and available soon because, as I have been saying, four years since he arrived, the Bulls function so much better when Otto is on the floor. Even if Otto's got to be out for an extended period of time to just to be overly cautious about not having him come back right away and these being re-aggravated, him getting back spasms again, or maybe re-aggravating one of the other injuries he was dealing with over the last year or so, I've been really, really encouraged. And I think Billy Donovan has been more and more confident in Patrick Williams. And now if Chandler Hutchison can come back too and add any type of value there, I think people will be less concerned about Otto returning quickly. Uh, I also think Garrett Temple, too, has stepped in and played a decent role, and I don't think Bulls fans were expecting him to average 31, 32 minutes a night, but he is, and he's filling that role well, too, man, so I don't think there's any pressure, really, to force Otto to come back any quicker than he needs to. It would be nice to have uh, an additional wing available like Chandler Hutchison to be able to come back, Um, but... Hey, man, this is a weird season, and I'm with you, too. I just found it funny. I forgot to address this, too. I was reading this weekend. uh, I saw an article come across my timeline that just said, Otto Porter Jr. to Miami Heat. Bulls star is, quote, obtainable. And the offer that was thrown out there, man, is wild. Like, if you can get this for Otto Porter Jr., AK and Mark Eversley should pick up the phone and say yes immediately. It says if the Bulls would accept something like Iguodala, Leonard, Kendrick Nunn, and KZ Akpala, they'd walk away with a pair of prospects while the Heat would finally have a playoff-ready starting power forward. And I know Iguodala, you could reroute. A lot of people were talking about that. And Leonard is on a what I believe is an expiring deal, too. So you would just basically be getting none and KZ Akpala back uh, for the one half season that you owe of Otto Porter Jr. I had to laugh because I was like, immediately, yes, let's do that. Do it right now if that's an offer worth at least throwing out there. But I had to laugh Otto Porter Jr. as a bull star. I thought that was a little... uh, Bull star. Yeah, that was a little... uh, That's a little gracious for Otto Porter. Well, he certainly paid like one. I mean, come on, $28 million? You're you're a star if you make $28 million, right? Um, But, I mean, dude, I would love that. Kendrick Nunn, local guy, great story in the NBA last season, part of that, you know, young and unexpectedly competitive Miami Heat team. Being a bull, that would be awesome. Yeah, and KZ Akpala hasn't gotten much run, but I remember a couple of years ago when the Heat drafted him, there was a ton of buzz around his name as well. So yeah, just again, getting two guys that could uh, potentially fill roles in your backcourt for the long term. I mean, Kendrick Nunn made what, second team all rookie last year, and he was only a couple of votes away from being first team with his buddy Tyler Hero. Uh, but I would be all in too, man. I would be all in on that. I think that would be great value for Otto Porter and dealing with him. A lot better d- value than I thought initially coming into the season you could get him in a trade. But again, it's just a rumor, just one article that I read, but I had a good laugh at it too, and I was like, absolutely immediately do that deal yesterday. Yeah, and you know, I, I think that there is still a good uh, likelihood that whether or not the Bulls find a trade for Otto, if we get to the last couple of weeks, you know, before that deadline and the Bulls are about where they are now, record wise, you know, expand four and seven out to another couple months of basketball and they don't look like they're 
competitive competitive, then I absolutely believe that AK and Eversley will make some calls about Otto, and I'm sure that they will get calls about Otto. And whether or not they find something for him that they feel like is a fair trade-off, we'll, you know, we we have to wait and see a couple months um, before that unfolds. But in the meantime, I still believe that he is incredibly useful to this team, not only with his production when he's healthy and out there on the floor, but also his leadership for some of these younger players. Last thing, uh, just because it rounds out our conversation from the first 10 minutes of this podcast, Woj just tweeted seven minutes ago, uh, the NBA has set a special board of governors meeting for Tuesday, sources tell ESPN. So again, man, I think this is going to address that loophole that we heard Andrew Bogut kind of talk about. Um, Again, uh, politics aside from what Andrew Bogut may or may not have said before, and I don't know, I'm not aware of most of his po- political takes. I'm sure some people listening to this podcast are. Uh, we're more just talking about hearing and uh, expressing our shock at hearing him talk about that and listing out some of the things that the memo had said as well. So, again, I think Adam Silver is going to have to address this. This is going to get bigger and bigger over the next couple of days, especially if more games have to get canceled, man. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we have our, our locked on NBA hosts, uh, you know, DM thread and some of our colleagues had been talking once you posted that about how the NBA players union was the group that, you know, was really fighting for putting that clause in there uh, when they were coming up with agreements for the season as far as allowing visitors in hotel rooms when they're on the road. Um, so, again, going back to the fact that that these players are being asked to sacrifice a lot. They were asked to sacrifice a lot already with the NBA bubble and being away from, from their family and friends and loved ones uh, for such a long period of time. And, and now a lot of rules in place this season to try and make it work without the bubble. So we'll see how they uh, move forward. Uh, the, the other possibility that Casey Johnson noted earlier today is that this call could be also talking about uh, expanding these rosters. You know, we're already uh, in a situation where the the two-way players are uh, much more readily available as far as total number of games, uh, which is a greater number than even just the number of days they were allowed to be a part of the active roster last season. So guys like uh, for the Bulls, Makoka and Devin Dotson, now there's a chance that looking at these postponements being because of a lack of availability of players who are in these health and safety protocols and teams like Boston, like Philly, like Dallas, not having enough active players to field a a team on game nights, expanding that number of players to be on your roster so that you have a wider pool. So if you have, you know, half of your team out because of contact tracing, you can still field a team and we won't be dealing with these uh, postponements. We'll we'll see how that goes. As of right now, the Bulls don't play till Friday night, uh, which they're on the road against the Thunder. The Thunder have been really, really surprising this year. They're five and four, Matt. And I think a lot of teams are getting smacked in the mouth by the Thunder who are coming out and playing 48 minutes a night very, very hard in a team which uh, everybody thought they were going to win less than 20 games this year. They've already got five this year. So we'll have plenty of to talk about this week throughout that. Also, we'll hear from Billy Donovan, a bunch of the players throughout the week. We want your messages, though. Hit us up with your voice mails your text messages your tweets at 331-979-1369 we're on twitter at jordan c malley at bulls underscore peck and at locked on bulls for matt peck i'm jordan malley bulls nation have a wonderful day be back tomorrow with a fresh episode for jordan and matt we are out deuces locked on bulls a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba hosts jordan malley and matt peck dive into the best bulls news and stories around the nba 
For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. Thanks a lot.